be in uh, Hebrews, <coughs> Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to tackle a controversy, controversial uh, scriptures tonight. Uh, some, some people use uh, Hebrews to say that you can lose your salvation, uh, but I don't believe that you can lose your salvation, uh, mainly several reasons. One, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believed in him will not perish, but will have everlasting, everlasting life. If you lose your salvation, it's not everlasting, so you can't lose it. Once saved, always saved. You know, I don't like that term because some people believe that because they walked the aisle, said a prayer, and joined a church, that they're automatically saved, and it doesn't matter how they live or what they believe beyond that point. I think Schofield Reference Bible uh, uh, believes in easy believism and would believe that uh, if Sodom Hussein contemplated the Bible at some point in his life and believed he's saved, even though he massacred a bunch of people, he believed in God, and that's just simply not the case. Uh, the Bible says that God, uh, God begins a good work in you. He will carry you through to completion. Uh, he said that he saved you to be conformed to the image and likeness of Christ. We're on the progressive sanctification. We're becoming more and more like Christ. Nobody will be perfected. Hebrews says that you are perfect and being perfected, uh, which means you are perfect in your position in Christ. When God looks at you if you are in Christ. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Uh, you have been forgiven. Your sins have been wiped away as far as the east is from the west. They have been cast into the depths of the sea, uh, meaning that the, wherever the highest point of the sea is, 8 or 9, 10, 12, 15 miles deep, however far it is, is at the bottom, uh, where nobody goes and nobody can find it and nobody will attempt. It's gone. Uh, in our position in Christ, we are perfect. God looks at us as though we are perfect. Uh, however, in our life, uh, we are progressing. We are becoming perfect. We are pursuing holiness. Uh, we are becoming more and more like Christ, uh, not reaching our full, full glory, our full potential, until 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, I believe it is, says that we will be like Christ because we will see him as he is. When we see him face to face, we will be transformed in the twinkling of an eye, on the day of redemption, all of us together uh, will receive our new bodies, a new heart, new soul, new mind, uh, the new heavens and the new earth, and all of the all the things will be restored to its original uh, to its original thing, uh, original glory. Uh, so tonight, I am going to tackle the fourth. It's the fourth warning. Hebrews gives four warning passages. We're on the fourth warning. It's in Hebrews chapter ten, starting in verse twenty-six. So we're going to look there. I believe that this particular passage is talking about the apostate, the apostate Christian. Now, understand that a Christian cannot go apostate. A church cannot go apostate, a true church, right? Uh, because God is going to build his church. He gives the members everlasting life. If he begins to work in them, he will not. Uh, he will carry it through to completion. So when it talks about apostasy, uh, it talks about a person who... Walks like, talks like, looks like, does the things that Christians do, but never received or never accepted uh, Jesus Christ. Suppose salvation was uh, if you uh, went swimming. And uh, so all of us could get ready to go swimming. We can all put our bathing suits on. We can all get a towel and pack our bags. We can put our suntan lotions in the bag. We can all drive to the YMCA or to the beach. 
Uh, and we can lay our towels out on the lawn chair or we can put our towels out on the beach. We can put some suntan lotion on. We can walk down to the beach and wade and put our feet in the water. Uh, but until we jumped in, right, we didn't go swimming. Right? The same thing with church. We can get dressed every single Sunday morning. We can put on our best clothes. We can wash our hair, clean our face, brush our teeth, get in the car, drive to church, sit in the pew, listen to the sermon, fellowship after church, drive home. And if you didn't receive Christ, accept Rucka Christ, embrace Christ, love Christ, the only thing you did was went to church. Uh, you, weren't, you, you weren't saved. If you remain in that state for a long period of time and then walk away, right? it's not that you walked away as a Christian, it's that you walked away as an unsaved person who sat in the church for a long time, right? Uh, so that's what we're going to look at. That's what we're going to do. So verse 26, uh, it says, it, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. And so notice at the beginning there uh, that God presents to us uh, his love and, and his wrath. Two, two pathways, uh, a fork in the road, uh, two directions, two different decisions, two different ways uh, that you can go. God presents to us uh, the outcome of salvation, which is objects of his love, and the, uh, the other is the lost person who is an object of God's wrath. Now, if you think of scriptures, uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 18 says, the wrath of God is against those who suppress the truth. Uh, Romans chapter 5 says, when we were enemies of God, Christ died for us, right? And so... All of us are objects of God's wrath. All of us are enemies of God until we receive Christ, until we uh, accept Christ. If we don't accept Christ, we remain as objects of God's wrath. God's wrath is presented in chapter, or excuse me, in verse 27. Notice in verse 27 it says, But a fearful expectation of judgment. Okay, that fearful expectation of judgment points to the fact uh, that God is uh, the judge of the heaven and the earth. It is appointed that every man die once and then will face judgment. You will have to give an account uh, for what you believe, what you have done, uh, all of those things. Uh, every single uh, uh, word that is spoken, every single thought that is thought, every little deed that is done, every little action that takes place, uh, we will, we will uh, face, face judgment. Now, there are two different judgments. There's a judgment that believers will stand before uh, God, and there's a judgment that the unsaved will stand before God. Uh, the saved, there are, no, there are now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, so our judgment is not to be 
Uh, it's not for our condemnation or our judgment, uh, but rather it's just to test our uh, works and to see which ones bring glory and honor to God and which ones uh, didn't. Uh, the ones that didn't will burn up like hay in, in stubble, uh, and then ones that uh, don't burn up will be, uh, will be rewards that, uh, that we will receive, uh, uh, praises from our Lord, well done, good and faithful church, uh, servant, uh, because of, of what we have done in the name of Christ and for the name of Christ as, as, as well. Um, but because we're talking about the wrath of God, this is specifically for the unsaved person, the lost person who is objects of God's wrath, uh, who, if they don't accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, they are storing up wrath for the day of wrath. And this, this particular uh, day of judgment will be specifically for them. And the second part of 27, it goes on to say, uh, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume his, his adversaries. Okay, so notice that he is furious and angry over sin and rebellion. Right? When you think of the word adversaries, right? If you want to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith, Go back to Genesis chapter 3, and you can read what happened when God judged uh, Adam and Eve and the serpent. And when he judges Eve and the serpent, he says that there will be enmity between the serpent seed and the seed of the woman. That word enmity means to be at odds with or to be an adversary against Jesus Christ. Right, if you are an adversary against Jesus Christ, God's furious fire, his furious wrath is against you and you will be consumed. Now the word consume uh, doesn't mean that you'll be annihilated. It doesn't mean that you will be consumed, burned up, and gone. You won't be like a, uh, you won't be like a house that catches fire and it burns and burns and burns. The next thing you know is just a pile of ashes. I remember that Moses saw Jesus at the, or excuse me, saw God at the burning bush. Uh, it was a tree that was on fire, but it wasn't burning. Right? The fire consumed it, but it wasn't burning. It was on fire, but it wasn't burning up. Okay? This wrath is an eternal wrath. This wrath is an everlasting wrath. This wrath is a fire that consumes your life and continues to burn, and it can never be quenched. And never put out. It goes on and on and on and on. And so it's a furious fire. It's a consuming fire that consumes his adversary, right? So one of the ways that you can examine yourself to see if you're in the faith, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, it says to examine yourself, see if you're in the faith. It's a present tense word there. <clears throat> examine yourself today to see if you're in the faith. If you have Jesus Christ, then you're in the faith. If you do not have Jesus Christ, you have been nullified and you're not in the faith. Right? So the key is, it's a good, uh, a good way to examine yourself to see if Christ is in you. See if uh, the Bible's called a cannon, uh, which means that it's a measuring stick. Right? What is a measuring stick? Well, if we, had a, <clears throat> if we didn't have a measuring stick or we didn't have some place uh, where they kept measurements, right? It was the... Uh, it was the lawful in the legal way, uh, the legal uh, uh, measurement of one inch or one pint or one gallon, right? If we didn't have somebody that was tracking that to keep it, let's know what one gallon is, 
and, uh, and, and it wasn't track. And, you know, we can say, well, you know, what's true to you is not true to me. It becomes relative. Well, can you imagine if a gallon was relative and it didn't matter? Can you imagine gas prices? What in the world is $5 a gallon if a gallon doesn't mean anything? I mean, you think you go to Parker's on this side of town and it's $2.79 a gallon. You go to Parker's on this side of town, it's $3.02 a gallon. Now, can you imagine if you went to Parker's on this side of, ground, this side of the town and it was $2.79 a gallon, but gallon didn't mean anything. It's whatever they thought in their own eyes. And it was just like a little tiny, uh, little tiny shot glass of, of gas and it was $2.79. And you went down to the other one, and it was a little bit more, but it wasn't, it wasn't much more. So it's very important uh, that we have something to measure by. Well, the canon, the Word of God, is a measuring stick for our lives. How do we measure up? All right? Now, when we first read it, and we read the Ten Commandments, and we read the law, uh, we find out real quickly that none of us really measure up. Right? Which shows us, right, it's the purpose of the law. Uh, the law wasn't given the Jews as ten ways to get to heaven. Uh, it wasn't ten ways to live a holy life. Uh, it, was, it was ten things to show them that they were sinners and in need of a Savior. That's what it was for. Right? Uh, the, Bible says, uh, the, Bible, the Bible says that if you obey me, you will be blessed. If you disobey me, you will be cursed. If you disobey God, you are cursed. Right? Then you go back to the Ten Commandments. Well, what do I do now that I'm cursed? And you read the Ten Commandments, all it says is, do not lie, do not steal, do not commit adultery. And then you disobeyed those, and now you curse. So how in the world are you going to get that curse off of you? Right? Well, the way that you get that curse off of you is Jesus Christ died in your place as a substitutionary atonement. You know, what's a, what's a substitute? You go to school, the teacher's sick, she's not there. Somebody else is standing in their place, in her place. Right? Same thing with Christ. You go to the cross, all right, you, you, you deserve death, uh, but you're not hanging on the, cry, on the cross. Jesus is. He's hanging there for you in your place. He's your substitute. He died in place for your sin. That's the purpose of the, of the Ten Commandments is, is not to show us ten ways to get to heaven, but to show us that we're truly sinners, that we do not measure up to God's standard. Once we receive Christ and we see Christ's righteousness, we should be able to start reading the law, and we should be our, start seeing that we are desiring and we are pursuing holiness and righteousness, and we're beginning to see manifestations of God in our life. More and more as we grow older and older, as we get closer to death, as we spend more time in the Word of God, we should be, begin to see that the Word of God is starting to take root, that we have this desire and this passion now uh, to follow God and, and his word uh, and, and uh, to uh, uh, apply these things to our lives and follow the word of God and make sure that we're measuring up and make sure that we're doing what he's calling us uh, to do. All right, then it goes on to say uh, that he is a God of vengeance. Uh, he's a God of justice. Uh, he, he's, a, he's a God of, uh, of authority. Uh, he's all of these things, right? He's going to, He's going to make sure that everything uh, is, uh, uh, has an answer. Everything that is going to, is going to, be, uh, is going to be judged. Then go on to verse 28 as we're still thinking about uh, God's wrath in hell. Uh, notice that there's levels of, levels of hell. Not everyone, in hell. not everyone in hell is going to suffer the same. 
It says there in verse 28, it says, Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much more worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God, has profaned the blood of the covenant uh, by, which, by which he was sanctified, and has outraged the, uh, the, the spirit of, of grace? Uh, so if the only revelation that the Jews had in the Old Testament was the law of Moses, and they laid that aside and didn't obey, and they died in the, in the wilderness without the new covenant revelation that we have, how much more do we deserve right, to be punished in hell as the, as the Jews died in the wilderness? Right? So the level, listen, listen to this, 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 is, this is important. The levels of hell is based upon the light that you have. The levels of hell is based upon the light that you have. It's going to become very important when I talk about the definition of apostasy. The levels of hell, the amount of punishment that you will receive, uh, is going to be based on the light that you have. Now think about Afghanistan. It's a Muslim country has very little light. They slaughter people. They cut heads off of Christians. But they don't have light. Then think about us. Christian radio stations, TV stations. I go back there. I got, I got two bookshelves filled up with different translation of Bibles. Right? I got shelves and shelves and shelves of, of books that, that Christians wrote, commentaries, all kinds of stuff. Right, we got a church on every corner that you can walk in and out of any place that you want. Right, do you think that a Muslim who n never heard the name of Christ, although he's a murderer, is going to receive more judgment than we are if we just sit in church all of our life and listen to the word of God and never accept Christ? Guess which one's going to be more severe? The one that has more light and rejected it. Right? That's a fearful thing. Right? We look at the Muslim and go, Dad, you know, they deserve hell. They deserve this. They deserve that. But if you sit in church all your life and don't receive Christ, your, your punishment is going to be more severe than a Muslim's. Right? So the New Testament saints, right? The Old Testament saints, the Jews, they set aside the law. The New Testament saints, verse 29, they rejected the Father, right? Because the Father sent his Son, and they trampled the Son of God underfoot. They, uh, they, they rejected the Son because they profaned, they profaned the blood of the covenant, and it was Jesus Christ who was <coughs> sanctified and set apart for the purpose of dying for our sins. And then we quenched the Spirit of God and we outraged the Holy Spirit, right? And so we reject God, we, direct, we rejected the Son, and we reject the Holy, the Holy Spirit. So the, the Jews who just rejected the law, do you think they deserve more of a punishment than us who reject the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? We see how that works. The more light you have... If you reject it, the, the severe your punishment is going to be. Okay, verse 26 uh, is, is where I'm going to begin uh, to um, define the idea of apostasy. I say, all, although th this passage places a fork in the road, we also come to our fourth warning in Hebrews. And this warning is a warning about being an apostate. 
And we're on uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26. Okay? So it's talking about apostasy. Okay? The definition for an apostate will be one who deliberately, willfully, and habitually sins. Okay? Now think about the lost sinner. What does a lost sinner do? A lost sinner who has not been regenerated, who knows nothing of the Bible, who's a Muslim in Afghanistan, they sin against God deliberately, willfully, and habitually. Right? They, they willfully murder, even though they know that that's, that's, not, that that's not right. Okay? They deliberately, they habitually, they do it. So, so what it's saying here is that there are, the Hebrews is written to a group of Hebrews, we don't know the author, but it's written to a group of Hebrews who started a church. Uh, probably, I guess, it, uh, they, they, they heard Paul, they might have heard Peter of the Pentecost. Uh, regardless of where they heard the, the, the word of God from, uh, they were Jews who believed in Christ, started, started a church. Uh, after they started the church, there were some other Jews that began to persecute and put pressure on some of these Jews to come back to, to Judaism and a bunch of them went. And so the writer of Hebrews is writing to them and telling them to, to, to come back and giving them all these, all these warning passages, okay? Um, so so, uh, so he's, he's warned them here about habitual sin and willful, willful sin. Uh, they look like a lost sinner. They don't look like a saved person. They don't look like they've been generated, regenerated. They look lost. <clears throat> okay, they, uh, so they received the full knowledge of the truth, right? Think about the Jews who had all of the Old Testament. They, they could read the whole Old Testament, they spent time in their synagogues, listening to their, uh, listening to their uh, uh, rabbis teach uh, everything, and then, and then they're looking for the Messiah. Everybody's looking for Messiah, you know, figuring out who he is, is Jesus the one, should be looking for another. Uh, Jesus said to the, uh, to the disciples, who do you say that I am? They said, well, or who, who do they say that I am? The crowd's saying that I am. They said, well, some are saying Jeremiah, and you know, some are saying Elijah, and some of the other prophets. And he said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are, you are the Messiah. You are, you are the one. Okay, and then they had, uh, they had, all of the, the disciples, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, preaching all over town. They had Paul get saved. He's preaching all over town. They probably heard the gospel. Uh, the writer of Hebrews, we don't know who he is, uh, but uh, sends these letters instructing them. Hebrews goes through the whole Old Testament, talking about Jesus being superior to everything, superior to angels, superior to Moses, superior to Abraham, uh, from the order of Melchizedek, uh, uh, Superior to the art, um, just superior to everything. Um, teaching them everything about the Old Testament and all of those things that point to Christ. Christ is here. Some of them have received it, and they went and they and they went back. So they had full knowledge of the truth. And so the apostate listens to the truth, considers the truth, uh, may submit to the truth, but eventually. Determined that it was worthless. Now the emphasis on the apostate is the amount of revelation that they had. Okay, so they studied it all. Uh, they understood it all. 
but they never received it. Basically, uh, they knew their Old Testament. They listened to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Paul. They listened to the writer of Hebrews. They considered everything that the Old Testament says about Jesus. They considered everything that the apostles and, and, and the uh, writer of Hebrews was saying about Jesus. And after they heard it all, and there was no more to be said, they determined that it was worthless. They didn't want it. They went back to Judaism to stand with the ones who said, crucify him, crucify him. Give us Barabbas. We want Barabbas. We don't want Jesus Christ. We don't want him to be our Messiah. Right? Had all of the information that they could, that they could have. Knew it intellectually. Thought about it. And just said, I don't want it. Don't like it. It's worthless. I'd rather go back. And he goes back. That's what apostasy is. Right? So it's possible, like I said, it's possible, like we're going to the beach, like we're going swimming, coming to church, it's possible, and this is why you need to listen carefully, it's possible that you can get the dress to go to church, jump in the car to drive to church, sit in the pew all your life, listen to a pastor preach, read through your Bible, think you're a member, go to the fellowships, take the Lord's Supper, get baptized, do all of these things, determine that you don't like it, that you don't want it, you've considered it, and you walk out of the church and you're gone. An apostate. Not that you lost your salvation. You just heard it all, considered it all, and determined it wasn't for you. It's the definition of an apostate. Okay? Uh, uh, listen, apostate has no other sacrifice available and cannot be restored. An apostate Right? If Jesus Christ is the only Savior, the only one that sacrificed for your sin, the only substitute that you have, once you leave the church, once you leave Christ, once you walk away from him, there is no sacrifice left. There's no other place for you to turn. When they went back to Judaism, they were going back to nothing. There was nothing left. There's nothing left today. There's no temple. There's no priest. There's no nation Israel. There's no sacrifices because God did away with it because Jesus Christ fulfilled all of that. Okay? Um, and, they, and they cannot be restored. Okay? Now remember Judas Iscariot. Okay? Judas Iscariot lived with Jesus. Heard him teach. Sung hymns with Jesus. Walked around with him. Ate with him. Served as a treasurer. <coughs> Prayed with Jesus, partook of the Lord's Supper with Jesus, kissed Jesus, and walked away and betrayed him fully and completely. Re uh, and decided it was worthless to him and sold him for 32 pieces of silver. Well, can you imagine walking with Jesus and hearing him preach for three years straight? Yes. I think you were too, too off on that silver. 30 pieces. 30? Okay. 30 pieces. Um, 30 pieces of silver, right? Three years walking with Jesus. Heard everything that he had to say. Right? The Bible says the libraries could be filled up with the teaching of scriptures or of, of Jesus. So we, we don't have all of the revelation that is possible to have 
uh, from that particular, particular peer. So can you imagine how much more they must have heard? How much more they were able to listen in and glean from what Jesus said while he was walking around the earth? And here is Judas Iscariot, been there for three years straight, living and walking with Jesus every single day, day in and out, heard everything that he had to say, went to the cross and died because he sold them for 30 pieces of silver. And he saw all those miracles too. And all the miracles, everything. And decided that he wasn't worth it. And he turned and left away and sold him out. And then he's the son of a Pharisee. Like a Pharisee. Yeah. Yeah. Kissed him on the cheek. Yeah. Right. Now uh, turn it over to Hebrews chapter 12, or you can just listen to it. Uh, Pardon? Um, well, he is sympathizes. He's a great high priest. Sympathizes with us, so he understands what it means to, to be rejected the way that the way that uh, Judas rejected. Um, but I also think that he knew that he was the son of perdition and would reject him too. So, so he knew it ahead of time. But I think he still, I think he still like. I mean, he knew that Lazarus would die, and he knew that everybody's going to die. But yet he still weep because Lazarus died. You know, so I think he still felt and he still experienced the fact that Judas betrayed him. Yeah, Romans chapter 12. Uh, now remember uh, Esau? Uh, what did I say? No, it's Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. Um, if you remember, remember Esau? Uh, Esau was the firstborn son. Uh, he had the birthright. And uh, he, he sold the birthright to his twin brother for a bowl of oatmeal. A bowl of grits, right? I mean, think about it. I'm just a bowl. I, I don't. I'll, I'll give you my birthright for a bowl of grits. No big deal. Didn't think nothing of it. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, and verse 15. It says, "See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled." That no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. Right? So the, so the apostate, when you go apostate, there is no chance of repentance. Though you seek it with cheers, tears, God will not. Why? Because you chose to go back with the ones who yelled crucify Jesus. Now, do we stop preaching to apostates? No, because we don't know who they are. Right? Do we only preach to the elect? No, because we don't know who they are. Right? So we don't know. So we can't judge anybody. Uh, but uh, I did a lot of work in the nursing homes in different places uh, where, where old, older people are and on their deathbed. And you would be surprised at how hard some old people's spirit is and how they reject the Lord. Because they have rejected over and over and over and over again. Their heart has grown so hard that at the very end of their life, they, they still are rejecting the, the word of God and they still don't want you to witness to them. Uh, probably some of those were apostates 
They sat in church a long time in their life. They heard everything that, uh, that needed to be said about the gospel. They determined it was worthless and walked out uh, of the church. Yes? Did you Pardon? Yeah, if you're not apostate. But again, you don't know who the apostates are. So, I mean, I still try to witness to the old folks because I didn't know if they were, and I want them to hear the gospel. Sees the knowledge and never believes it. Sees, sees the knowledge and never never fully commits to it. Likes the fellowship of the church. Likes seeing what's going on in the church. Perhaps even experience some miracles. Saw some transformed lives. Been around it all their life. Never committed to it and, and rejected it and walked away. As an apostate. No, born again, born again, born again Christian cannot go apostate. If there's somebody that leaves the church and goes apostate, it's because they were never saved to begin with, not because they were, were a believer and, re, and rejected it. Yeah, if they went out from us, they never right. were of us. Right. Anyway. Yeah. If they, if they go out from us, it is a sign that they never were a part of us. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Uh, so if we, let me, I'm just going to continue this theme of apostasy. Uh, go over to Second Thessalonians. It's a again, it's a warning passage. It's a warning to us, and so Second Thessalonians. Uh, we're going to work. Look at ver- chapter two and verse uh, three. It says, "Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, uh, the son of destruction. Okay, so you could read that. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. Let, let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come. Talking about the uh, coming of Christ. That day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. Unless, or you can translate it, unless the apostasy comes first. Right, before Jesus Christ comes... It's going to be a great apostasy. People are going to leave the church and they're not going to come back. Right? Or the church will go apostate. How does the church go apostate? They fill with believers. Well, they don't take their membership seriously. And, uh, and they don't interview them when they come in. And they don't, they're not responsible with the keys to the kingdom and making sure that they're saved. And, and they just let anybody come because they want to build a big church and have a big salary. And so uh, people who are not saved come into the church and they make them members and then there's enough of them in here that is no longer a church anymore it's just an apostate church they might as well close the bible and teach algebra because they're apostate and they don't want the word of god anyway right i can probably share a few names of pastors around that are in that position but uh, let's go over to first timothy first timothy chapter four it says, now the Spirit expresses, this is chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from food that God created to receive with thanksgiving for those who believe and know the truth. Okay, so notice again that some will depart and they will follow deceitful spirits. 
Uh, they will turn away from, from God. Uh, go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And we'll look at verse 10. It says, uh, Do your best to come soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. So there's an example of an apostate. Following around Paul, he's writing to Timothy. He says, do your best to come to me soon. Uh, but we be aware, Demas, who's in love with the present world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. There's an example in scriptures of someone who followed Paul around and listened to his teaching. And then he determined, I don't care about this stuff. I'm going to go back to Thessalonica and love the world and do the things in the world that I enjoy doing. Uh, let's go back over to uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 24. Uh, Matthew 24 in verse 9. It says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my namesake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Right, so it seems to be saying, as we read scriptures, that apostasy is going to be more prevalent in the end times. Right, churches are going to be in, begin to empty. Yes. Right. 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 You can. You, you can teach a parrot to say Polly on a cracker. And somebody can come into church and act like a Christian and do like Christians. Um, Matthew, chapter, Matthew chapter 7, uh, it says that there are two buildings. Rain comes, a storm comes, a flood comes, and one falls down and one doesn't because one was built on sinking sand, one was built on a solid foundation. So the, so the issue is there's two people sitting in the pew, two houses in the same place, you can go out to any of these homeowners associations and they're like cookie cutter houses. Uh, you go inside and they look exactly the same. They're built the same. The structure's the same. The size is the same. You can walk in and it looks like your house except they put different furniture in it. It looks exactly the same. All right, basically it's saying there's two people who are building a moral life. All right, they love each other. They love their, they love their wife. They love their children. They love coming to church. But one was bring, building a good moral life that was not built on Christ. It was built on self. And there was another person who also had a good moral life, but his life was built on Christ and his perfection. Romans chapter 10, I believe it is, verses 1 through 3. Paul was talking about his Jewish, Jewish uh, uh, friends and said, they have a zeal for God, but it's without knowledge, right? They had a zeal for God, but it was without knowledge. You can have a zeal for God, come to Ferguson Avenue Baptist Church, but it'd be without knowledge. What was the knowledge they were lacking? They were trying to establish a righteousness of their own and rejected the righteousness of God that is found in Christ. There it is again. The apostate is one who may have a great zeal for God and come to church. And they're there, being good, like everybody else is in the church. Like a parrot saying, Polly is one of crackers every time somebody says something. Building a life around the church, but never building a life around Jesus. 
right? That's an, that's an apostate, right? You can come, you can walk right up to the cross of Christ and touch it and not be saved. Scary thought. Come all the way up to Christ. Turn around and walk away. And God calls, God calls that apostasy. Or the book of Hebrews warns us about the apostate, uh, the apostasy that will uh, occur. Pardon? Yeah, it actually put him in his wounds. He believed. That's not a positive. No, uh -uh. he believed. He believed. He believed it was Jesus after he touched him. So, yeah. All right. So apostasy causes. What causes apostasy? Uh, we already talked about one verse, uh, Matthew chapter twenty-four and verse nine. Uh, persecution came, and they and they went away. So per persecution can cause uh, cause apostasy, right? Uh, it is really based on, really I think it's based on your, your, your value of Christ. How valuable is Christ to you, right? Hebrews is talking about the supremacy of Christ in all things. Uh, the parable of the uh, pearl of great price. Can you imagine if I was, if I was selling you some land, five, five acres of land, and you want to come out and see the land? And I said, well, I, I, can't, I can't be there, but feel free to go out and wander and do whatever you want. And you're walking through the land, and it went, Hum. and you dug around, and you opened it up, uh, and it was a case. And you opened the case up, and it was filled with money. And I didn't know anything about it. And you didn't have enough money, but you knew all you had to do is to get enough money to buy that land, and you had a valuable thing in the middle of that land that you dug up. And it was the money that was far more than what the land was worth. And so you went home and you sold everything that you had. You begged for money. You did anything that was necessary to get that land because you know that there was some value in the middle of that land. You sold everything to have it. Well, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the pearl of great price. And you have to sell everything that you have to get a hold of it and to treasure it and to have it. And once you have it, you will never let it go. Though persecution comes, though difficulty comes, whatever comes your way, you won't let go of Christ because you find him so valuable, right? That's the issue. An apostate doesn't see any value in Christ. And a little bit of persecution comes, they go. Second Timothy 4, we read that. Uh, false teachers can, be, can cause apostate. Uh, here's something. The Bible warns about people who, want, who, who have tickling ears. The judgment of God upon those group of people is to give them a pastor that will tickle their ears. And there's a lot of apostate church churches who just want their ears tickled, and God gave them a pastor just to tickle their ears. You can turn on TBN and some other stations and hear them tickle. All right? That's the judgment of God against them. Uh, temptation can cause apostasy. Worldliness can cause apostasy. That's Demas, right? Demas loved the world and went back to the world after hearing Paul's teaching, decided the world was better. Uh, religion can cause apostasy. Remember, we're, we're talking about the writer of Hebrews writing to the Hebrews that were saved, and they wanted to go back to their religion rather than coming to Christ. And so religion, just religion activity, you can come here, use 
Baptists as a religion and just come here and perform all the traditions that Baptists do, do all the things that Baptists do, and never receive Christ, never accept him. You don't find him valuable. You find us valuable. Right? You, this might be the place of network, right? Because you're, you're an insurance salesman and you join the church because you can network with other people and you can get business, right? You, you can write uh, uh, insurance premiums and that's what you use the church for. You can do that all your life and claim you're a Christian. Never receive Christ and you get to heaven, right? Listen, listen, you can become a pastor. You can be a, you can be a pastor and be an apostate, Right? John chapter 7, excuse me, Matthew chapter 7. <clears throat> there will be many in that day where Christ will say, Lord, I, I, uh, I never knew you. And he'll say, the pastor will say, so, did I not prophesy? Did I not teach in your name? Did I, did I work many miracles? Did I not do all these things? And Jesus will say, I never knew you. You're a worker of iniquity. All right? Not just, not just a person sitting in a pew. You can become a pastor and be preaching the word of God and never accept Jesus Christ. You never went all in. You like the salary. You like carrying your Bible around. You like to be called reverend or pastor. You like all those things that come with it except Jesus Christ. Right? Even a pastor could be an apostate. Right? Remember the ear tickler? Could be a group of people that like to tickle ears. God will send an apostate pastor to tickle their ears because they just want their ears tickled. So you give remember, remember King Saul? Give us a king like the rest of the people. Right? Give us a pastor like the world will tickle our ears. We want a motivational pe uh, preacher. We just want them to, to motivate us, to say, just talk to your wallet and say, wallet, you're going to have money in here today, and today's going to be a good day, and I claim this in Jesus' name, and I do it. And that's all you want Jesus for. You just want a full wallet. You just want a, you just want a good paycheck. And they tell me, health, wealth, and prosperity. All you got to do is you got to have faith, name it, and claim it, and you can get it. So I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to love Jesus because I want a full wallet. And that's the only reason why you're here. You don't want Jesus. You want your wallet full. There are churches all over the place that do that. All right, so worldliness, religion. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, was the first warning. Uh, neglect, right? Do not neglect your salvation. Do not neglect it. If you neglect your salvation, right? The word of God is the power of God unto salvation. I sanctify them in the truth. Our word is truth. I save you to be conformed to the image and likeness of Christ. The means by which I do that is the word of God and the preaching of the word of God. Don't neglect listening to the word of God. Don't neglect reading the word of God. Do not neglect hearing good preaching. Do not neglect, do not neglect it. Hear the word of God. Read the word of God. Because if it wasn't for the Word of God, it wasn't for the Spirit of God, it wasn't for the Son of God, and it was entirely up to me to maintain my assurance of salvation, to hold on my faith. Listen, if, if God wasn't holding on to me, I would walk away from him tomorrow. But because I love Jesus and he loves me and I'm studying his Word, I don't have to worry about walking away tomorrow because I'm not going anywhere because Christ has me and I have him. So don't neglect uh, your salvation. Listen, Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12, the second warning. Your evil, unbelieving heart can cause apostasy. Your heart is deceitfully wicked. It can tell you that you're saved when you're not. 
it could, it could, you could, it could, uh, you could believe that you believe, but you don't believe. Right? Think about the pastor. Lord, Lord. You know what? You know when? It, you know what happens when you see Lord, Lord? It's said for emphasis. When you see two words, Amen, Amen. Verily, verily, I say unto you. When there's two words, I have said for emphasis in the Greek. It said for emphasis. So he really believed that Jesus Christ was Lord. And Christ said, I never knew you. Depart from me. Workers of You know what I think the problem with that pastor was? He depended on his works rather than Christ. Because he said, did I not spend all my life in church? Did I not become a pastor? Did I not become a Sunday school teacher? Did I not do this? Did I not walk forward? Did I not say a prayer? Did I not sign a card? Did I not become a member? Did I not get baptized? Did I not share the Lord's Supper? Did I not do this? He, said he was using all these works to earn his salvation. Rather than accepting Christ and depending on Christ for his salvation. Big difference. Working for salvation and depending on Christ for your salvation. And God, or excuse me, your heart can deceive you to think because I'm a good old boy down at the church or a good old girl down at the church that I must be in good with God. But you can be a good old boy or a good old girl down at the church and not be good in God's sight because you're depending on your own righteousness, your own works rather than Christ for righteousness. All right, third one. This, one, this one's important. Go back to Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encourage one another all the more as the day draws near. Now, the day is drawing near. What happens when the day draws near? People are falling away. People are going to apostate. People are going away. One way to stop the apostasy is to not neglect your salvation, not neglect your church membership, take membership seriously, Encourage one another to keep the faith, to keep going, to stay strong. If somebody leaves the church and you don't see him for a couple of weeks, don't go, ah, he'll be back sometime. No, pursue him. Go after him. Tell him to repent. Tell him to come back. Tell him not to neglect. Because God not only gave us scriptures, but also gave us the church. And gave us church membership. And commanded us to walk together. As iron sharpens iron, so one man will sharpen another. Right? Church membership is a very serious thing. I go down to the old Savannah City Mission. A lot of those people just come in there at the lunchtime to hear the word of God. None of them have a church family. I've been begging them. Begging them. Y'all need to be in a church. You need to be with other believers. Yes? I was just going to say, um, I, don't, I don't talk to the men at the church, but a lot of the women I talk to, and when you're not here at church, they will message you. Yeah, I know, because when I was gone I and I didn't tell anybody I was going on vacation, they all messaged me. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Where are you at? Are you coming to Absolutely. church? So that they will take care of you yeah. here. <clears throat> this right here, um, let me think. This church right here, um, I was a youth pastor. I was a senior pastor. I was another senior pastor. I was evangelism, evangelism a Sunday school pastor. And then I came here. So this is the sixth church that I've uh, that I've been that I've been in leadership, and this is the, this is this is the the best. This is the best. And I'm not saying this because I'm 
the pastor that this is the best church that takes their membership seriously. That if you're not here, they're going to call you. If, if, you're in, if you're in sin, somebody's going to come and confront you. Right? That, that's how the church is supposed to fun- function. You know what the devil does? Right? The devil says, just tell them to judge not lest ye be judged. Tell them to mind their own business. What I do in my home is none of their business. So what are you coming to my home and telling me how I should live? Let me tell you something. There was a nurse in Wuhan, China that messed around with some stuff and, and sent out some daggone virus. And I got it twice. So it's none of my business what they're doing in Wuhan, China. It's not going to affect me when they do stuff over there. Right? Adam is, is, is the head of the human race. He sinned 6,000 years or more ago, eating a stinking piece of fruit off of a tree. And I have a sinful nature because of it. You mean it's none of my business what Adam did 6,000 years ago? It is my business what you do, especially in the church, because a little bit of yeast will puff up the whole piece of bread. Your little sin will begin to scatter around. And the next thing you know, everybody participating in the same sin. Right? So listen. It's not judge, let, judge not lest you be judged. Listen. Twist not scripture lest you be like Satan. Right? That's the issue. Twist not scripture lest you be like Satan. Right? The Bible tells us. Look at Matthew chapter 7. Turn over to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. Guess what Jesus says? Judge. With a righteous judgment. Men look at the outside appearance. God looks at the heart. So what's it telling you? Don't look at the outside. Get to the person's heart. How am I going to get to your heart unless I fellowship with you? How am I going to get to your heart unless I communicate with you and talk to you and try to get to know you and see your struggles? And in the seeing your struggles, I can help you. If you're pursuing holiness, ooh, run out of time. If you're pursuing holiness and I'm pursuing holiness, we're walking together in this thing. I want to be Christ-like and you want to be Christ-like. Right? And when I look at you, right, I see the splinter. But the splinter that I'm looking at, you can't see even though it's a plank. I, I, I turned it around a little bit because what I want you to see is that you see my sin better than I see mine. Man, I'm like Jesus. I pass them all over. I don't pay them no mind, right? Because I don't see them. But my wife calls me on it, or my friends call me on it, or the church calls me on it. I have to stop a minute and take notes and reevaluate. Right? Now, right? If I wasn't if I wasn't seeking holiness and conformity to Christ, and you weren't seeking holiness and conformance to Christ then I wouldn't want your input, and you probably won't want my input. But if we're pursuing holiness together, which is the purpose of the church, I want to embrace your input, and I want to embrace your input. Listen, I had, I, I've had at least five different guys confront me since I've been here. Five different guys. Now, I'm, I'm talking laymen who confront the pastor. That's odd in most churches. I've had five different guys in love come to me 
and say, Tom, what are you doing? What did you mean when you said that in a sermon? Was it hard? Yeah. Was it needed? Yeah. Did I change? Yeah. Because I took it serious. I saw what they were saying. I saw the need to change. And I made the change. I'm not above you. I sin. Right? I used to put stupid stuff on Facebook. I had two or three guys say something about that. I had stopped doing all that. Now I just put, put Bible verses and sermons on there. I don't mess with comments about Trump or anybody else. I just leave that alone. Right? But we need each other. We need each other. I don't want you to go apostate. I hope you don't want me to go apostate. I don't want sin to affect the whole church. I hope you don't want sin to, for your sin to affect the church. More importantly, listen, if you are living in deliberate and habitual sin, and you know it, this is a desperate, desperate warning for you tonight. Because if you deliberately sin, you are acting like an unsaved person. And that is the first sign of a possible apostate. You must keep short accounts on your sin and repent of them quickly. Confess them and repent quickly. Do not allow them to take root. Do not allow them to grow. Get rid of the stinking things because they're not going to do you any good. Satan comes with all kinds of false promises about how good sin's going to be if you just do it his way rather than God's way. He's crafty. You know if you eat from that tree of knowledge, good and evil, you're going to be like God. God knows that. Well, guess what? Adam and Eve was already made in the image of God. So what the heck could, Adam, or what the heck could Satan do more than what God already did? Twist not scriptures lest you be like Satan because he loves to do it. Let's go to the Lord. Father, we love you and thank you for your word tonight. I pray that it was... A warning to those who, uh, who may uh, come here week after week and week, but have not fully immersed themselves into Christ, have not fully received and accepted Christ, have, have, have not received his righteousness, but still striving to achieve a righteousness of their own. Uh, Lord, I pray that this warning uh, would be a red flag to their life and that they would stop works and start believing, receiving, and accepting Christ. Those of us who uh, have gone to church for a long, long time, I pray that we would evaluate ourselves rightly uh, to see and make sure that we have Christ and that we're in the faith. Uh, those of us who have, are here who believe uh, but find themselves in a deliberate and habitual sin, I pray that they would take it seriously, uh, that they would confess that sin, that they would repent of it, uh, and they would begin to live in, a, in accordance with, with Christ. Uh, that they, not, they would not continue to be an adversary of Christ. That they would not continue to be at odds with Christ. But they would be unified with him and they would walk in accordance with him, uh, showing that, uh, that they believe him, Father. Help us to have faith, increase our faith. Uh, help us to trust, help us to believe, uh, and help us to continue to believe so that we don't go apostate. Use this church, Father, to encourage us as believers uh, to finish the race and to finish strong, to cast off all sin uh, that, that it, uh, encumbers us uh, from running and finishing the race so that we can bring glory and honor to your name.
And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.